This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network. Learn more at trine.edu. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Onliners Podcast, a podcast that dives deeper into the mysterious world of online learning, featuring myself, Regina, and my colleague and good friend, Kirsten. Hi, Kirsten. Hi, Regina. We are two higher education professionals at Trine Online, a team within Trine University, located in Angola, Indiana. This week, we're going to be talking about information literacy. The Internet has opened our world. Literally, the first thing that I do when I have a question is grab my phone and search for an answer. Like, do bearded dragons eat watermelon? What is the date for Memorial Day in 2024? Or why isn't 11 pronounced 1T1? Actually, Kirsten, I think it should be 1T1, 1T2, et cetera, et cetera. It seems that any question that I have can be answered via a quick search on the Internet. I love it, and I don't know what I would do without my smartphone. Our iPads, our smartphones, laptops, et cetera, give us information at our fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Most often than not, the first link returned to me is a link that I use to find my information. The vast majority of the time, I don't even have to worry about whether or not the information is reliable or accurate. If I'm trying to decide if my son's bearded dragon can eat some leftover watermelon, I might click a link or two to make sure that the first source is correct. But overall, I tend to get my answers pretty quickly and trust the first source that comes along. Yeah, we find answers to so many of our questions online. We get our news online, we socialize online, we shop online, maybe I shop a little too much online. And since we work in higher education, of course, we also find our academic information online as well. And likewise, our students find their information and their sources for their research online. We know that the internet is a great tool. But we also know that the information that we get online is not always factual. Determining what information we can trust, that we can believe in, and that we can use in our work can be very tricky. It is tricky for us as faculty, so imagine how tricky it is for students. When most of us were in college, we did not have to worry about all of the misleading information out there in cyberspace. However, the amount of information on the Internet continues to grow every day. So we need to be able to decipher what information is good and what information is bad. Right. So our episode this week focuses on information literacy. While there are lots of ways to consider the validity and the reliability of our online sources, we will take a look at the source validity approach of C-R-A-A-P, or CROP, which stands for Currency, Relevance, Authority, Accuracy, and Purpose. The CROP test is a list of questions to help you evaluate the information that you find. It was created by Sarah Blakesley of the University of California's Chico's Miriam Library. So what is CROP? CROP is, again, currency. Is the article current? Is the source up to date? Relevance. Is the article relevant to the topic? Does it meet my needs? Accuracy. Is the article accurate? Are there any spelling errors or basic mistakes? Is it missing any significant content? Authority. 
Does it cite sources? Is the author or authors knowledgeable on the topic and respected? And purpose, what is the purpose of the source? Now we're going to dive deeper into each of these categories or acronyms. So let's start with currency. When we consider if the information is current, we need to ask ourselves, when was the source of the content posted or published? Am I looking at the most recent or edited version? And when was the content last revised? For example, if we were looking for research on pandemics, if COVID-19 was not included, we would know that our source is probably outdated. Going forward, it is going to be difficult to imagine research on pandemics that do not have some reference to COVID-19. Yet, if you are looking for information on World War I, you probably don't have to be quite as sensitive about the date of publication. And of course, there is seminal or groundbreaking research out there that never goes out of date, so to speak. An example is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It is, well, old, but it is seminal. It is still an excellent source and used by many. Overall, most of the time, you will want to see the most up-to-date information. As a rule of thumb, we usually tell our students to try to use research that was published within the last 10 years. And we as faculty should also be using course materials that are not over 10 years old for the most part. Okay, so let's move to the next one. The next one is relevance. Does the source of information relate to your topic? Does it help you understand your topic better? Is the information at an appropriate level and not too elementary for what you need or not too advanced for what you need? And for what audience is the information written? Is it for the general public or a more specialized audience? As an example, let's say that you are looking for information about the monarch butterfly for graduate level biology students. While a source geared towards a second grade caterpillar research project would not be relevant material for the graduate level biology students. Ask yourself, does the source help you understand your topic better? Does the source enrich your understanding or help you see the topic in a different and important way? Okay, so that was the C and the R, and now we're gonna move to the two A's, accuracy and authority. So first we're gonna take a look at accuracy. Is the information accurate? Has it been confirmed to be factual? One of the ways that we can determine this is if multiple sources share or claim the same perspective on a topic. Even better is if that perspective is supported by data. Does the general consensus from many experts in the field agree with the source or sources that you are choosing to use? Do they refer to each other's work? One of the easiest ways to find a peer-reviewed article is to click the peer-reviewed box when you search for documents within your online library research database. Also, when considering the accuracy, think about the language or tone of the document and try to determine if it is unbiased and free of emotion. Are there any spelling or grammatical errors in the source? So that's accuracy. And now we're going to move to the second A, which is authority. When we think of authority, we have to consider who is the author, who is the publisher, what organization is the source or the sponsor of the information. You can learn a lot about the document by searching on the author or the organization itself that is publishing the document or the information. Does the author or the source have any credentials or affiliations with other groups or organizations? 
Is the author actually qualified to talk on the subject? For example, you will never see me producing a podcast on playing the violin or writing an article on what happens when you get your car serviced at an auto shop. Remember, it's very important to make sure that the author of the material that you are considering using is qualified to be discussing the topic that he or she is writing or talking about. The author's education or work experience on the topic must be in the field that he or she is writing or talking about to be considered an expert. And that expert needs to stay updated as to current changes or updates in the field of study. Also, with all the information online, you can evaluate the authority of the source via the URL. Does it end with a .com, .gov, .edu, or .net? There are little ways that will help you determine if your source is written or published by an authority on the topic. You just have to take the time to try to figure it out. Okay, so the final letter in the CROP acronym is the letter P, which stands for purpose. Basically, ask yourself, what is the purpose of the information? Is the purpose to inform the audience about something? Is it to sell a product or an idea? Is the purpose of information to entertain or persuade? It's important to have a critical eye as to why the information was shared or why the information was published or posted. Also, consider if the information is fact, opinion, or propaganda. Does the point of view appear objective and impartial? Try to take a step back and consider the intentions of the author and try to decide if the purpose of the information is aligned with what you need the information for. So in summary, we can use the crop test to evaluate the sources that we find online. Each component of crop, the C, the R, the A, the A, and the P, offers insight on how to evaluate the resource that you find online. This will help you as faculty with your own information literacy, and it will help you help your students determine if the sources that they are finding and using for their assignments are good sources, that they're reliable and valid. Students probably have as many questions about the information that they find online as you do. I remember my son was researching a paper on voting rights for a political science class, and he found a website that he thought had some good information on it. He looked at me as a higher education professional and all knowledgeable mom and asked, is this a good source? Should I use it? Well, I hesitated and I responded, well, I don't know. Let me take a look. I noted that it was number one, that the web page was published by the Library of Congress, and number two, that the content was similar to content from other trusted sources. So I gave him the thumbs up. Now that I have discovered the crop test via a project that I'm working on with some colleagues, I would have applied the crop test to his voting rights online source. There is so much information at our fingertips. We tend to think that referencing scholarly articles is only important for our students. However, it is just as important that we are using current and relevant materials in our classes that have accuracy, authority, and purpose. Regina and I have been guilty of not being 100% sure of a source's validity, and we know that many of you can relate. Not only do we have to be mindful that the materials we use in class are good from an academic standpoint, but we also need to ensure that they are okay to use in terms of copyright usage. But that might be another topic for another podcast. 
So in wrapping up, we as educators need to continue to educate ourselves on how the online world has transformed how we find and use information in our classes and how we teach our students to use that information responsibly. We hope that you have found this episode insightful and have some takeaways that you can use when searching for course and supplemental materials. If you have not already, subscribe and rate our podcast. Stay tuned for another episode next week. And as always, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.